Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everyone. Despite the typo in your bulletin, turn to Revelations chapter 20. It was just called to my attention. I don't, I, I'm sure that I typed Romans. I'm going to say autocorrect did that. But it should be Revelation chapter 20. Um, hopefully, we have chairs next Sunday. Hopefully. We may not have all of them, but we thought we would have all of the balcony done this week, and the truck showed up, and they started unloading, and it was all looking good. And then the installer started looking around, and he said, man, there's a lot of stuff missing, and that's because half of the shipment did not make it. And that's the sh- that half of shipment has all the hardware to attach all the chairs. So they scrounged up enough hardware to put together about 40-something chairs or something like that. But anyway, hopefully we will... We will have uh, some more, more chairs for you next week. So I want to start with a hypothetical this morning. Let's say that I lived uh, near a deep canyon, and, and that road that, that passed in front of my house, there was a bridge that went over the canyon. And so one day I hear a loud noise, and so upon investigation I go and look, and the bridge has collapsed. And the cars on this road travel at a super high rate of speed. And so Lynn says to me, shouldn't you tell someone or, or make a sign or something? And I reply to her, no, I love people too much to rob them of the joy of going fast and living life their way. So to that hypothetical, here's the question. Do I really love the people that I just said I love? It is letting people live their way when I know there's devastation ahead. Is that love? And the answer, of course, is no. Love in that situation is warning people. And then if you have the ability to build a safety net as well. We, we've talked in the last few weeks about the devastation of the tribulation period and the certainty of hell that's coming for many and, and the thing is, is God knows that those things are coming. God knows that the, that the tribulation devastation is coming. He knows that hell is up ahead. And so he has warned mankind and he has built a safety net whereby people can be saved. It's so easy for us to get focused on all the bad that's coming in the future that we forget that God loves mankind so much that he has warned us that the bridge is out ahead and he's created a way for us to be saved and our sin forgiven through Jesus' death on the cross. And to make it even better, that way to be saved, it's free. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to work enough to earn it. All you have to do is to receive it. Now, the truth is, many throughout history and even today, have chosen to reject that. And in so doing, they will suffer the same eternity that Satan will experience, which, as we saw last week, is eternity and what the Bible calls to give us a 
some kind of way to understand a lake of fire. So in Revelation uh, chapter 20, last week we, we read up to verse 10. And so it was in verse 10 that we saw that Satan was cast into the lake of fire. And now we pick up in verse 11 and we see that there's still one event that takes place before God creates a new heaven and a new, a new earth and real eternity begins. So in Revelation chapter 20, let's begin reading in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. Verse 12. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. What, what do we gather from that? What's the great and small? It's not, it doesn't have to do with size. It has to do with perceived stature. So standing at the great white throne judgment before God are going to be people that on this earth were perceived to be big shots. And there's also going to be little shots. There's going to be people that had a lot. And there's going to be people that only had a little. Both great and small are going to appear at the great white throne judgment. And it goes on to say, And the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, verse 15, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Before I begin some explanation of these verses, I don't do this often, but I feel like I ought to just take some time this morning and just tell you how much I love my wife. We recently celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary. There are many things I love about my wife. I enjoy one of the things that I enjoy is I enjoy looking at my wife. I think that my wife is beautiful. I mean, how could anyone not think that she's beautiful? I mean, she has gorgeous, long, wavy blonde hair and piercing green eyes. She's five foot eleven. I mean, wowza, who wouldn't like to look at her, right? Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, Lynn isn't 5'11 with long, wavy blonde hair and piercing green eyes. She's 5'7" with straight brown hair and blue eyes. Well, look, you see her how you want to see her, I'll see her how I want to see her. (laughs) Now, I use this as an illustration to hopefully help us see a bigger point. If I say I love Lynn because she's 5'11", blonde, and has green eyes, is it really Lynn I'm loving? No, see, I'm loving my perception of what I want her to look like. And and the truth is, it's not only that I'm not loving her, I'm actually rejecting her as she really is. That leads me into three things this morning that we can know about the great white throne judgment. The first is this. The great white throne judgment is the judgment for all who have chosen to reject Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.27 says that man is destined to die... And after that comes judgment. And the great white throne judgment is the judgment for all unbelievers. If you remember a few weeks back, we talked about the judgment for believers. It's a totally different judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. So this judgment is for everyone that has rejected Jesus. Now, the truth is, is when we think of someone rejecting Jesus, we think of those who who openly reject him. We think of those who, who mock him who ridicule him, or who say he doesn't even exist. They curse him. And that's often what comes to mind when we talk about those who have rejected Jesus. And while we wish they would change their mind about Jesus, and that they would choose to believe in Jesus, we understand 
that if they don't ever choose to believe in Jesus, that hell, the lake of fire, is their eternal destiny. But on the other hand, while some openly reject Jesus, some people talk about Jesus, say they believe in Jesus, they even say they love Jesus, but it isn't the real Jesus that they love. You see, they love Jesus in the same way I said I loved Lynn. I I said I loved the tall, blonde, green-eyed Lynn, but that isn't the real Lynn at all. You see what I'm getting at? Many people say that they love Jesus, but it isn't the Jesus of the Bible that they really love. The Jesus that they love is a figment of their imagination. They love the Jesus that they are seeing the way they want to see instead of the Jesus as he really is. They love the Jesus who gives food to the hungry. They love the Jesus that yells at religious people. They love the Jesus that, that puts together a scourge and, 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 runs and, and runs people out of the temple area. But they, they don't love the Jesus who says, I am the only way and I'm the truth and I'm the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. They love the Jesus who says your sins are forgiven. But they don't love the Jesus who then says, go and sin no more. John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus is speaking. Here's what he says. All who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment. When I said I love the tall, blonde, green-eyed land, the truth was I wouldn't be loving her at all, but would actually be rejecting her for who she really was. And that's exactly what many in the world are doing with Jesus. They say they love him, but they're actually rejecting him for who he really is. And everyone who rejects Christ, whether they curse him, mock him, say he doesn't exist, or if they say they love him, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible that they really love, everyone who rejects Jesus will appear at the great white throne judgment. It is the judgment for unbelievers. The second thing that we can know is this. Those who have rejected Jesus are judged by the books. That's what we read. Look again at verse 12. It says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books, verse 15, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So you've probably heard that that little phrase before, when we say that something's going to be done By the books, right? We understand what that means. It means that there's not going to be any shortcuts. There's no way for anyone to be accused of of partiality or favoritism. There's not going to be any deceit, no cover-up. It's all going to be done fairly and legally. It's going to be done by the books. Well, those who reject Christ will find themselves at the great white throne judgment, and they will be judged by the books. What does that mean? It means it's going to be fair And they're going to get exactly what they deserve. Now, the two verses that we just read. We read about this book that you've probably heard about before, the book of life. And the book of life is the book that has the names of every person who has accepted Jesus as their Savior, who has has chosen to believe and to follow Jesus. Their names are written in this book of life. And so the Bible says that this book is going to be brought out at judgment. And when people at the great white throne judgment are judged, the book is opened 
And, and because they, they never believed in Jesus, their name will not be found in the book. And as a result, they will be cast into the lake of fire. But there's something that I wonder if you've ever noticed as you've been reading through this. I want you to look again at verse 12 just for a second. Look at verse 12. Yes, it talks about the book of life, but I want you to notice something else. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the, what? Books, plural. The books were opened. And it goes on to say they were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. There isn't just one book that is used at the great white throne judgment. We gather that by the plurality of the word books. So so what other books is there that people are judged by? The Bible doesn't just definitively and clearly say. But this morning, I'd like to tell you what I think it is. What I'm about to tell you, you probably never heard before. Um, I think that another book that we are judged by, and, and by we, I mean everyone. I think this book is also at the judgment seat of Christ, is a book of works. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14 says that God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. When we talk about the things that we do, the good that we do or the bad that we do, it's talking about works. If we're going to be judged by our good works and our bad works, according to Ecclesiastes 12, and and it goes on to say, and every work, I think there's got to be a book of works kept for every person, both saved and unsaved. So follow me just for a moment. I think this will make a little bit more sense as we slowly try to, to, to let it unfold. Believers appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Believers. We're only talking about people who have been saved, right? Our sin was judged at the cross. So our sin isn't being judged as believers at the judgment seat of Christ. If you remember from a couple of weeks back when we talked about the, the judgment for believers, what we established is it is a judgment of our works. And our bad works are burned away, and we are rewarded for our good works. But for the unbeliever who appears at the great white throne judgment, their sin is not forgiven. And they have no good works to be judged because the Bible says apart from Jesus, any good work is just a filthy rag, it's just rubbish, it's trash. And it's their bad works that are being judged. At the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment for believers, our good works are judged. At the great white throne judgment, the judgment for unbelievers, their bad works are judged. The question is this. Why would God judge their bad works? If everyone that goes to the great white throne judgment is going to the lake of fire anyway, which they are, I hope that we've established that, then what difference do their bad works make? And why is there a judgment of them? Well, that brings me to the third thing we can know about the great white throne judgment, and that's this. The judgment isn't to determine the location of one's eternal punishment, but instead determines the level of one's eternal punishment. Now, hear what I'm about to say. Everyone at the great white throne judgment, they're there because they chose to reject Jesus, 
And they're going to the lake of fire after their judgment. But not everyone's punishment will be the same. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Now we're going back to Jesus' ministry. And in his ministry, he went from town to town. He preached repentance. He pointed Jesus to his father. And he also performed miracles. He made the lame walk. He made the blind see. He made the sick well. And Jesus said that those miracles, that God allowed him to be able to do those for man so that they would authenticate his ministry, so that they would show that he was the Son of God. But there were some towns that the people, the Bible says, they were so wicked that despite the miracles that Jesus performed, he points out that they would not repent of their sin and return to God. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, so Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God. And here's what Jesus says. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show the remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. You see that? Judgment Day is going to be worse for some than it is for others, is what Jesus is saying. Let's continue on. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to focus on everything in these verses, but what I want you to see is that Jesus is teaching that some are going to be better off at judgment and some are going to be worse off at judgment. Yes, they're all going to be judged at the great white throne judgment and they're all going to be thrown into the lake of fire. But their penalty, their level of suffering is not going to be the same. A teenager that maybe comes from a a bad home in a rural area and he's never taken to church. But he gets an opportunity here or there. You know, he's, someone at school talks about Jesus, whatever. But he dies at the age of 20 without ever committing his life to Jesus Christ. That 20-year-old, because he did not receive Christ, is going to go to the great white throne judgment and he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. His judgment isn't about the location of his eternal punishment, but the level of eternal punishment. And that teenager, in this example, is not going to suffer the same level of punishment as, and for example, an Adolf Hitler, or any mass murderer, or any career criminal who spent their life hurting people. In Luke chapter 12, I just want to read two verses, verse 47 and 48. Jesus is teaching, and he says, A servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, he will much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Jesus in this, in this chapter is talking about end-time things. He's specifically talking about Christ's return and the judgments to follow. 
And he talked about the reward of those who were to be found faithful in, in previous verses, preceding verses. And here he talks about the punishment for those who were found to be unfaithful, who were going to be banished from his presence. And here Jesus again shows us clearly that the degree or level of punishment will be more severe for those who willfully rebel against God. And while we see that ignorance is still no excuse, those who were not saved, who had less of a witness and who had less opportunities to respond to Jesus, will experience a lesser punishment than those who knew more and still rejected Jesus. Every person who does not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior is going to end up at the great white throne judgment. And the location of their eternity is already set. But they're going to be judged according to their, I think, what it would be called a book of works as to how severe their punishment would be. I realize that when we talk about eternal punishment and when we talk about the lake of fire, that that many people feel that that's just not consistent with God's loving character. And I just remind you again that the lake of fire wasn't created for mankind. It was created for Satan. Satan has been sentenced to the lake of fire because he didn't want God to be over him. But since Satan has deceived billions into following him in that rebellion, the lake of fire is their eternal destiny as well. They're living life their way. There's a bridge out ahead. And because God loves them, he has warned them and created a way for them to be saved. But the decision is still up to them. Who will be at the great white throne judgment? Well, there will be atheists, and there will be pastors. There will be agnostics, and there will be deacons. There will be Wiccans and Sunday school teachers, Baptists and Methodists and Muslims and Catholics and Mormons and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and Pentecostals and people of every race, every nationality, every religion. There will be people who did good things, and there will be people who did bad things. You see, our eternity isn't about if we went to church or where we went to church or the good that we did. Our eternity hinges on this one thing. What did you do with Jesus? Not the Jesus as you want him to be, but the Jesus as recorded in the Bible. See, the only way for anyone to escape the great white throne judgment and ultimately the lake of fire is to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and accept his offer, his free offer of forgiveness of sin. So we wrap up this entire summer talking about end-time prophecy and prophetic events. What do we do with this series? What do we do with teaching on prophetic events? We look at it as God's way of lovingly warning mankind. And, and, and loving mankind so much that he created a safety net by giving his son Jesus to come and die on the cross. God proved his love for people by warning them 
showing them the safety net. What we do with this series and, and, and with a study on prophetic events is we follow his example. Love people. Point out, because we love them, that the bridge is out and that there's a way that they can be saved, that God created a safety net in his son, Jesus Christ, as he died on the cross to offer forgiveness of sins. That's what we do with a study of prophetic events. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? First, I just want to approach really the most important topic that that we cover in, in this series, which is eternity. There may be a, a number of people here today and you've never chosen to follow Jesus for whatever reason. You need to know that there's a bridge out ahead. And there's devastation and destruction that's coming. But God doesn't want that for you. As a matter of fact, he, he so desperately doesn't want that for you. He loves you so much that he created a safety net. By sending his son Jesus to die on a cross to offer you forgiveness of sin. See, nothing else matters when it comes to eternity except what did you do with Jesus? You either chose to follow him and believe in him or you chose to not believe and to just go do life your way. What are you going to do with Jesus? If you continue on the path of doing it your way, ignoring the warning signs and ignoring the safety net, don't say this with anything except regret and a broken heart. You will experience eternity in the lake of fire. And it will be of your own choosing. God is extending to you today an offer of forgiveness of sins and eternity in heaven if you will give your life to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I wonder if there is someone here this morning that would say, Paul, I got to quit running. I've been living life fast and hard and I'm going down that road and I know the bridge is out and I need to commit my life to Jesus today. And you would let me know and let me pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. No one's going to approach you or anything like that. But I want us to pray together this morning. If I'm describing you this morning and you want to today commit your life to Jesus Christ, would you simply slip your hand up until I see it and then you can slide it right back down? I'm just looking in the floor section right now and I don't want to miss you. Is there anybody at all? I see you, ma'am. Thank you. Is there anybody else? I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ today. I'm looking at the balcony now. Is there anybody that says, I need to commit my life to Jesus today? 
I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. The, the, the biggest and yet most difficult decision for a human to make is the decision to say, I give up control of my life. But if we choose to keep control, we forfeit the safety net and destruction is coming. If you raised your hand this morning, you acknowledged, I need to commit my life to Jesus. Or maybe there's someone here and you didn't raise your hand, but you need to commit your life to Christ this morning. Let's, I want us to pray together. I already said you don't have to buy this gift. You don't have to work to earn it. It's a free gift. You just have to receive it. And I just want to walk you through a prayer. You don't have to say exactly as I say. I just want to give you a model so that you can receive the gift of forgiveness this morning. And so you would pray something like this. Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. And I admit I've been living life my way. And I admit I've enjoyed being in control. But today I understand that destruction is ahead. But that you love me enough to create a way for me to be saved. And I believe that that way is through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And so today, I commit my life to be a follower and believer of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you acknowledge your need for Jesus and you accept him and believe that forgiveness is made possible through him and you commit to follow him, that you can know that you will be saved. You can know your eternity in heaven is set. Your name is written now in the book of life. And so at judgment... You do not have to fear. You do not have to worry. Because no one can remove your name from that book. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, let's take this study and just be reminded to love people. And because we love them, we tell them about Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray... For everyone here this morning, Lord, first of all, for those that acknowledge their need for Jesus. God, thank you, first of all, for the courage to, to give up control. But God, I, I know that what they're going to experience is a joy that they've never known because they've yielded that control to you. So God, confirm to, the, to each of them that the Spirit of God has now moved into their life to lead them to a life that is a full life, an abundant life. 
God, I pray for every Christian. Lord, help us to love people. Help us to tell them about Jesus. Help us to warn them that the bridge is out ahead. That the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for what you do. For how you love us. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.